Welcome to another episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Osborne, and today is going to be a great show. Today, we're going to dive into the Enneagram and find out how it can actually help you unleash your potential with Enneagram expert, Teresa McCloy. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. And today's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast is brought to you by the Think and Grow Rich Workshop. Are you yearning for that electric surge of motivation to just catapult you into doing something to move you forward with your dreams? Do you have a sense of an uncharted world of possibilities just waiting for you to discover them? Well, the Think and Grow Rich Workshop is expertly crafted to guide you towards achieving your goals by teaching you powerful techniques that work hand in hand with the tested success principles found in the book, Think and Grow Rich. And for a limited time, you can experience the complete self-paced workshop for 50% off. Just use code PODCAST50. Again, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to transform your life and achieve the success that you really deserve. Just visit the website, thinkingbigcoaching.com forward slash T-A-G-R workshop to sign up or visit the show notes and sign up today. And today we have a very special guest with us on. Uh, We're joined today by Teresa McCloy. She is a recovering workaholic turned productivity guru. As the creator of The Real Life Process, Teresa is passionate about helping individuals transform their everyday lives into something that is extraordinary. She is an ACC certified leadership and life coach, a prolific podcaster herself. Uh, She is also an expert in the Enneagram, which is what we're going to talk to uh, today. And Teresa is here to help us dive in deep into the world of self-discovery and understanding our true selves. And we'll be exploring the Enneagram. It's a powerful tool which provides insight into our personalities and really how we interact with the world. So whether you're new to the Enneagram or you've been using it for years, this episode is packed with insights that can help you live your best life. So without further ado, let's dive in and start thinking big. Welcome to the show, Teresa. It's so good to have you here. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. And we met... I don't know, a little, maybe a year ago, a little over a year ago through yeah. a mastermind. Uh, it, matter of fact, I think it was the one in Nashville that we actually met and we both spoke there. And then, yes. uh, yeah, which was great, fantastic stuff, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on the show. And then earlier this year, I was able to crash your mastermind group and come into it kind of like we're the party crasher. (laughs) I'm the party crasher for the mastermind group. And it was just so good to get to know everybody within your group and and the stuff that you guys are doing. And again, that's, that's really why I wanted to bring you on here. And Teresa, can you, you do some very neat stuff and you do it your way. So that's why I like, I mean, you've created your own process. You've, you've created your own thing. You're not just teaching someone else's you're, you've created your own thing. Can you tell us a little bit about your real life process that you have? Sure. Um, so the real life process is a life management system. That's the way I like to call it. Uh, some people would call it like creating this rule of life process. You know, what matters to you? Um, 
how are you going to live that out? But a lot of it is the discovery of your real self, kind of that deeper work um, part. So I divide it up into three parts, knowing your real self, living it out in your real life, and then doing your best real work. And uh, I just started having people asking me, can I use your content? Can we, can we do this as I was uh, working as a coach? So about uh, 2020, we actually started certifying people to use our content. So now we have kind of a train the trainer program. And I would say overall, that's kind of where my business has shifted to. I have the process, wrote a book about it last year, came out in uh, fall of last year, November, and called Doing What Matters, Live From Rest, Not Rush. And that kind of put the whole process into writing and we have workbooks and the whole nine yards. But now mostly my business focuses on helping other coaches take this content and use it with the clients that they serve. Yeah. So you're actually certifying people to coach under your, you know, your system and your kind of your workflow and your really your methodologies of, of coaching. So what is like if, if you, you know, you say real work, what what do you mean by real work? That's a great question. And it's different for everyone, right? And that's kind of where the story of calling it the real life process. I was kind of, um, I would call myself a workaholic. I was just addicted to how could I get more done? Uh, just part of my driven personality that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast. But, um, so I was all about work. I was identified by my work. What did I do? Who was I? But that really just kind of took over my life and cost me a lot of things, uh, relationally, um, you know, physically, emotionally, all of those things. Um, and so defining that real work piece is, you know, what's the work that's unique for you to do? Um, and it's not what everybody else is doing. Uh, I, I had read every kind of self-help book, how to get more done. And those really just talked about, yeah, that drive piece. And I really want to come from a place of if you live from an internal place of rest, knowing yourself, what matters to you, who are the people that matter to you, then your work's going to come out of that. And it might be different in different seasons of your life. So work is a pretty broad term. It's not really, oh, what's my career path? It's more like, yeah, what do I feel called to do if we kind of use a spiritual word in that place? Right. And I think that's important. I mean, it's... uh you know, a lot of times we actually get into doing things as a career, as, you know, our, our work or, you know, what, what we do, not out of, of what we really want to do. Mm-hmm. It was out of either, you know, our parents said, yeah, that's the way you should go, or it sounded good. It looked like an easy class load, <laughs> whatever it was, but we got into something that really isn't fulfilling for us. And uh, yeah, I think that's really big to do that. And I think too, Sean, as we learn more as we become wiser. I think you and I both have those kinds of stories that as we know ourselves better and we become wiser and maybe even hit the wall a few times, then that work uh, just becomes passion. So it, it just becomes like, I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't know that we always know that in our 20s, right? Or even in our 30s, but the more every decade that passes by, we just kind of continue to narrow down, narrow down and say, you know, you wouldn't even have to pay me to do this, right? Like I would do it no matter what. Now the revenue is nice and we want that. (laughs) We're not going to do it for free. We have to survive. Yes, it is so passion driven in us that uh, we can't imagine not doing what we're doing. I think that just takes a while to get to. Uh, I often show it in a triangle. So the foundation is that real self piece, 
the middle is the the life that you want to live, the freedom that you want to have. And then, then the work is going to come out of it. If you flip that upside down and work is at the top, this big thing, it's like just crushing everything else and costing you a lot. So it's just keeping our life in harmony. I don't ever call it balance because I think <laughs> that's not true. There is no life balance, but I do think there can be life harmony. I've been hearing that a lot lately. A lot of people using harmony. I like that. Uh, I like that word. I think it's very appropriate. And you know, as and again, as you said, as I get older, as I get further along in, in my years in my life, I do. I start to realize that the more that I understand myself, the more that I internalize, the more that I truly, truly understand myself, the more I can be effective at what I do, the more I can operate yeah. more effectively, more happily. I mean, it, and by effectively, I mean by much more than just being, you know, time. I mean, effectively being what I want to do. And so how does getting to know ourselves really, how, how do you think it changes our direction when we truly get to know ourselves? Well, I think knowing ourselves comes in lots of ways. It can be with tools that we use. It can be, um, you know, kind of mapping out our lives and looking at patterns and behaviors and things uh, along the way. So it's life experience as part of it. I do think it's helpful when you work through those life experience things in community. That's a huge part to me. Um, and, and as I said, and I know we're going to talk about it today, is there are some very, I think, impactful tools that can give us some information and also some language to know and there's just these little light bulbs that go off go yeah how did they how did they like read my mind about what i think what i feel what how i act that awareness can help us predecide different decisions of how we want to create this way we want to live our life we talk about it a lot right you and i both in this entrepreneurial space and people talk about life freedom and all of those things but there's more to it than that there's more to it than just, oh, I can work from the pool or I can, you know, be in Hawaii or in the Bahamas or whatever. It's really, I often say it's the internal piece. So I want to know as much about how, how I work, how I'm wired, how I think, um, how I act, how I react so that the anxiety in me can be managed and not manage like, oh, I'm trying to keep it down, but I can really feel an internal rest in myself. You know, I woke up today just enjoying a brand new day, knowing I was going to get to talk to you, got some things planned, dinner with a husband, all the things. And there's not a thing in me that's living in a place of anxiety because I've worked really, really hard. And it's been a journey. <laughs> I know you've done journeys too, to live from this place. But it wouldn't matter if I was as rich as could be or as poor as could be. That internal peace is still going to be in me. And I'm still going to be at, at that place of joy. Yeah. And you mentioned that. It's like, I remember being dirt poor. I was still happy. <laughs> I was yeah. Still, it, it, right. it was like, and it's funny. It's like when I, you know, going down a rabbit hole, but when, when I travel to other countries, I love learning about other cultures and being with other people. And, and you just learn that how they are happy with what they have. It's such a light an enlightening thing to go and travel and, and do these things. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you a rabbit hole story? Sure, so absolutely. I'll give you a rabbit hole story there. Absolutely. Um, so 
our daughter is adopted from Romania. She came to uh, live with us when she was two and a half, one of the greatest joys. And I just became a new grandma two weeks ago. So there's a whole nother sidebar. Same here. But when she, oh my gosh, that's awesome. When, uh, when we brought her home, we have also met her birth family. We've been back there a couple of times. And I love what you just said, because we assume that happiness is a place, it's an income level, it's all of these things. And as we've gotten to know her, her family, uh, her birth family in Romania, you know, um, they don't want to come here. They don't want to live here. They don't want to be us. They don't want to be me. Um, they have joy and happiness where they are. And we make these assumptions, whether it's someone from another culture, another country, or, you know, lives down the street in our neighborhood that that they're not as happy as we are. They're happier than we are. It's the, you know, the Joneses comparison thing. And that's so different when you do the work of developing your own self. And that that's the real self piece, whether it's tools or community or education or whatever it is. So I know you and I are both lifelong learners. So uh, <laughs> this just comes easy for us, but I just encourage people just to take the time to learn about yourself. Yeah, you know they say if you're if you're not growing, you're dying. Or what, what was the one quote that uh, if you're not at the dinner table, you're on the menu? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I like that one. That's you're, crazy. You're 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 either eating or you're being eaten. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, the there you go. That's kind of true. Now there's and there's a lot of tools out there to to get self insight. I mean, there's tools out there mm -hmm. like there's DISC. There's you know there's all these different tools. Uh, the one of the ones that I actually use with some of my clients is uh, you know your six human needs. Uh, so there's yep. different tools out there to kind of help you see yourself. And one of the tools that you use, and, and I hear it a lot, and I just took my test. We're going to kind of go. So later on, see, see, part of the reason you're here is, is this is actually a Sean therapy session. This is, this is dual purpose. <laughs> I can tell where we're going here, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> this is to find out what is wrong with Sean Day. So <laughs> no, no, we're going to discover more about Sean. Uh oh. So, you know, the, one of the tools that you use, and I really like this tool, what I've seen of it is the Enneagram. And I've, I've heard people, it doesn't matter. I mean, from Hyatt to all these pretty successful people, yeah. they've, for years they've been talking about the Enneagram and I've just never had the chance. So I was able to do it. Tell us a little bit about the Enneagram itself and what, what it is. Sure. So the Enneagram is kind of different than all other personality tools because we have this weird history with it that nobody knows for sure exactly kind of where it came from. So many tools that are out there are you know, definitely like, oh, somebody developed it. Somebody did this. The Enneagram, uh, and I think it's one of the reasons I love it. It has both uh, a spiritual side to it and a psychological side. So you're getting a little bit of both, which I think is very holistic. Um, you know, you mentioned several uh, tools. You know, there's all kinds of these types of assessments out there. One of the things I love about the Enneagram, to be honest, Ennea um, stands for nine and gram stands for drawing. So it's just a drawing of these nine different personalities. If you really study the Enneagram at depth, back in the day, I was on the International Enneagram Board. I mean, there's a whole association. This is a worldwide or uh, tool that's used in all kinds of ways. Uh, from business to, you know, faith to everything in between. And this tool really can go as deep as almost 128 to 200 and some minute little personality threads. Most people that you hear work with it stick with these nine. <laughs> and it's really 
uh, bringing away of seeing yourself in what I believe are three centers of intelligence. And that's the way I teach the tool. So you have your thinking intelligence, you know, your head, you have your emotional intelligence of your heart, and then you have the body intelligence, which is often called that gut instinct piece. And you usually end up resonating stronger out of one of those centers. And for lots of different reasons, sometimes you've been disconnected from the other centers. And it has to do with our story and the journey that we've been on and, you know, how we grew up and all kinds of different things. And so what I do when I work with the tool, the Enneagram, instead of going into the deep weeds of it, I just want people to grasp kind of the high level because usually that's enough to get you started. And then you're, as you said earlier, you're down the rabbit trail. I've been studying this tool and using this tool for almost 15 years. Uh, it was life-changing for me because of just some of the shame pieces that we can live in. And, uh, you know, why do I do the very things that I do? Um, now, does that mean I stop doing them? <laughs> no, <laughs> I still have those tendencies. But my awareness of why and how and where I can go to and where I can get caught in the, the crazy, I call it the crazy cycle that's going on in your head, you know, the crazy tapes that we tell ourselves. Um, that to me has been so freeing to say, I'm not screwed up. Like this is how I was actually designed and wired and there's strengths and there's weaknesses both to this. So. I love the tool. You get me started. You know, you said before we hit record, like, well, we'll go like this amount of time. I'm like, no, you'll have to stop me because it's just such a great tool. So what are, so if it's not nine points, what are some of the nine cores that are around that, that main Enneagram? Yeah. So each, each of these, you know, nine types kind of have a description to them. Um, so I'm going to start, start at the very top and the nine type nine is at the top of the circle. It's, it's done in a visual circle and type nine is bringing peace. They're people who really seek peace and harmony. Type one is goodness. That's the way I describe it. Type two is a loving type. Type three is effective and efficient. That's, that's my type. Uh, type four is creative and original type. Five is wisdom and knowledge. Type six is loyalty and faithfulness. Type seven is joy. Type eight is power. And if you just, you know, rewind uh, the podcast and listen back to those words, you automatically probably go, oh, I know somebody who, gosh, they're always coming through that lens of goodness or you know, they're just such a peaceful person or I love them because they're so wise. Like you almost automatically can just start to associate people. But every one of those words I just gave you is those types at their best. Right. So around the circle, again, every one of those types has their their dark side or their shadow side uh, to them as well. And, uh, you know, that's we're always in flux. Every day, all day long, we're in flux between our original type, the high side, the low side, um, and also then, you know, the other two centers that we're connected to. So it's a fascinating tool to me. And I love personality stuff. So I've done every assessment there is under the sun, probably like you. 
But I always come back to the Enneagram because all the others to me fit within the Enneagram. Right. <laughs> um, like I can see the disc, I can see the Colby, I can see, you know, um, yeah, Myers Briggs. I can see all of them within this, uh, within this tool. Now, just curious when you're looking. So again, you work with a lot of people with the Enneagram. Do you see any? likenesses for another word, uh, for instance, if you have a whole bunch of artists or you have a whole bunch of entrepreneurs or you have a whole bunch of, do they, do you see where they kind of fit in the same? Yeah, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot and people do tend to kind of start to box people in and go, well, all artists, whether they're musicians or all creative people fit as a four, they're all creative you know, oh, you must be a four because you're an artist or a musician or graphic designer or whatever. That's not necessarily true. Um, I'll add another layer to the Enneagram, and this is why I love it. So there are three types within that circle that are very forward-moving energies, okay? The three is a forward, the eight is a forward, and the seven are a forward. So, you know, if they walked into the room, I often describe it like this, you know, they're going to go around and they're going to meet people and maybe not in a loud and boisterous way, but, but they're going to make connection and they're okay with the forward and the decision making. There are three types that are what I call toward moving. T-O-W-A-R-D, toward. They're, they're relational. They might come into that same room and really want to get into a one-to-one conversation. And, you know, I've been in enough conferences and rooms where you kind of just see that happening with people. So the twos are that way. Um, the um, sixes are that way. And uh, the ones are that way. They're going to make that connection. And then there's three energies that are away type. So the fours are an away type. Um, the fives are an away type. And the nines are an away type. And that means... You know, if you were in a room, they might go ahead and take their seat at the conference. They might uh, stand around the edge. It's not that they wouldn't talk to someone if they came up to them, right? But their energy is just different, whether it's in a meeting, in a room or whatever. I just think that's fascinating. And so people tend to group people, going back to your question, and say, well, all people are like this. It really has more to do with their energy than it does, um, you know, what their type is. So that's the depth and the layer of this tool. And if you start to really study it, you're like, it's kind of like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did the energy come first? And then they lived out their type through that energy? Or, you know, how did that come? A question that I think goes right here as well, Sean, is how do we get this way? And I know you do so much kind of this brain stuff and all of this. How do we get this way? This is my simple version. Nature, gene pool we were given. Can't help it. I've got gray hair because my mom had gray hair. My grandma had gray hair and, you know, all of that. So gene pool. Uh, so that's nature. Nurture. So nurture is in those early formative years of our personality. From the time we came into this world till about our mid-20s, we're forming our personality. Um, we're taking in information from outside and how we were nurtured, uh, relationships, that human connection, whether we had lots of it, not a lot of it, good, bad, ugly, all those things, right? So nature, nurture. And then the third piece is actually free will. We chose 
some of the things that formed us. Yeah. You know, maybe early childhood decisions, teenage decisions, college age, even adult age, we're, we're constantly forming. So those three things come into play to form because we did things in our childhood. I know you and I both did that we wouldn't choose to do now, but then we needed to choose them to maybe even protect ourselves or, you know, so if you came from a really loud family that fought everything out, you might've always gone to your room. <laughs> so you might've created an away energy in yourself. And that became the pattern that protected you. Right. And do you still need that protection at 45? Probably not. So the beauty is in the Enneagram is waking up the sleeping pieces and living what I call full circle. So I'm a three. So getting things done, got my dad's approval. It got all this stuff. It got my mom's approval. They were hardworking people. So I thought how you got by in the world was work really hard and sometimes at all costs. So as I woke myself up to the loyalty and faithfulness of the six that I'm connected to and the peace of the nine, now I can live, you know, with effectiveness and loyalty and faithfulness and peacefulness. That's my harmony triad is what I call them. It's your harmony triad. That's where I can live my best self. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, cause I, I feel that peace now inside of me. So as I said, don't get me started. I'm there forever. <laughs> Which brings us to, uh, this is kind of where the Sean's therapy comes in. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, you know, I, I took the Enneagram, you know, I took the test again. I, I have no idea why I've never done the Enneagram before this, because again, it's been around for, I remember people talking about this five and six years ago yeah. and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to take it. And I just I didn't know how I didn't know where, you know, I, so I didn't pursue it, but I'm glad I did. There's a lot of things in here that were very true from that. I don't understand them all, but I came in as what they call a less resourceful side of an eight. And again, mm -hmm. I don't, I have no idea. I don't like being called less resourceful. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't love that language either. So let's start there. So, um, how screwed up am I? Yeah. I want to start <laughs> first by saying this, cause this is going to come into play as we talk about some of your results. So, um, the Enneagram can be discovered and done a lot of different ways. Of course, in our modern technology, you know, giving someone an assessment and having them answer 200 questions and get a score. There's lots of great Enneagram assessments out there. But when the Enneagram was originally brought into the world and, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, um, a lot of times it was done by conversation, almost that coach approach of let's talk about these things. Why do you do these things? And paragraphs were written and people would read them and go, oh, that's me. That rings my bell. So we call that the narrative Enneagram. So there's a piece of the Enneagram. I love giving assessments. We offer them, you know, through the work that I do. And it's a great place to start. But like any assessment, it's only as good as the moment that you're taking it and the frame of mind that you're in right then. So I don't get super hung up on less resourceful, resourceful. Are you in a good day or a bad day? Because you could have took this late in the afternoon and hadn't had enough coffee. And so you answered three questions one way and it threw that percentage, you know, into the less resourceful category. I'm really looking more for um, 
you know, what is your core type? What is the core way that you show up in the world? Now, interestingly enough, um, do you want to share with it? I never share anybody's oh, absolutely. Like, results. So I'll let you say it because I feel like it's kind of a personal thing, right? So I'll let you say what happened in your results. So I, again, I don't know how to read those, but I came in as, I guess, an eight less resourceful. And then there yep. was like a wing on the side, which was, I think, a seven. But then, yes. uh, so that's the number beside you. And then a three. Mm -hmm. I know I came in something. I was high on the three you said, which was kind of odd. So that this is the interesting piece. So when I looked at your results, so what happens is Sean took an assessment. It gives us a little chart with some numbers on it. Um, and it came up with his highest score as being a type eight, which is a powerful person. Okay. And so as Sean would go into, and I sent him a copy of uh, our assessment that kind of goes into explanations and he had the original one uh, that he took as well. But, you know, so when Sean shows up in the world, he's showing up as a powerful person. Now, when we hear that word powerful, right? A lot of times in our culture, we go, yeah, he's the, you know, bad guy in the room that would show up and like pound his fist on the table and say, this is the way we're going to get it done. Now, could you show up that way? Probably so. You probably had moments where uh, I always say an eight is if nobody's in charge in the room, they're going to take it. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Sean's shaking his head. You guys can't see it. Like, absolutely. Right? Like, he's going to lead. Because remember what I said earlier about energy, the eight and the three are both forward moving energies. And so is the seven, interestingly enough. And if you really were looking at this chart visually, you'd see that the eight is in the body center, the three is in the heart center, and the seven is in the thinking center. So each in each center has a forward moving energy. So, you know, you're kind of covering all three of them. So that means that, yeah, you have a presence about you. I've been in the room with you. I see that even though you're not the, um, I'm going to say the most words in the room, that would probably be me. You are going to show up with a presence that is noticed and aware. The invitation, and this is the word I love to use, the invitation for the eight is always to say, when is my power needed and when is it not? So that's the healthy side. I call that the authentic side. I don't like less resourceful and resourceful. I call it authentic and adaptive. That's the language I like. So when are you taking that power and go, I'm going to adapt this and I'm going to use this in an unhealthy way to get what I want, <laughs> to you know smash the small guy, to do whatever, or when am I going to use this in a healthy way where, because we need powerful people in the world, just like we need good people and effective people and peaceful people. This is humanity at its best. And so that's the growth journey that we're always on, right? That's the awareness to go. Cause I know you, I know you're a very aware person. You know, you have power, like, you know, that that's who you are, but how do you show up in that healthy side right. of that power? Yeah not in the unhealthy side. And I'm, I'm, you know, as, as we go through this, you know, I'm curious is how did I become, so if I look back at my past, I've been on my own since I was 15. It's like, did I become that powerful because I had to? 
at the time Probably. to survive, <laughs> it's like to survive, you had to, you know, you either got your butt kicked or you kicked butt on the I mean, You had to get crap done. Yeah. I you mean, had to make it happen. And I'm wondering um, if that if that helped develop that or if I survived because of that. I, I have no idea, but I think it's a both and. And I think those are the questions that we may never know the answer totally to. I think that's what's kind of interesting about approaching some of this and just opening up our hands and saying, I don't know that I need to know the why. I just need to know it is. And this is who I am. I think we can get really caught up in that. What made me this way? How did like, that's a lot of wasted energy <laughs> to just say, no, I, I, I am this way, but it does go to nature, nurture, free will. So there's some genetic characteristics in you. There's things that happened to you. As you said, you were on your own at 15. So other people might have adapted to that situation differently. And that would have formed and shaped, you know, their ego structure, um, their psychological path differently. But for you, for whatever reason, you know, and you made some free will choices in there. And that choice builds on the next choice on the next choice to become Sean. Yeah. <laughs> um, the interesting piece that I love about this, Sean, is tying these three centers together. So not only are you a type eight, if you look through the lens of the harmony triad, which is what I teach, you're also connected to the two in the emotional space. Two is love. <laughs> two at its worst can be too much of a helper, overloving, codependent, all those things. So two is a part of you. The headspace of you is a five. And if you looked at your numerical scores, your five is pretty high uh, in the scheme of things. That's that researcher knowledge, gather as much as I can. And I don't know you super well, but I know that you are all about the learning and the knowledge. So these three words of you, powerful wisdom and love, power, wisdom, love. If I were to ask you of those three, where do you think you're the most disconnected or the most like, mm, I don't lean in there as much as I would like to? Any thoughts that come to mind? I would say probably love, but only only because I know there's things I want. And I've, I will step in room. I will make the decisions. I get up to go to the bathroom and I've made four decisions. It's like, that's just... <laughs> I don't dilly dally around. It's done. It's yeah. it's done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. from a love standpoint, it's weird because there was things in mine that that showed that I really, and it's so true. I I really ploy for the guy at the bottom, the person at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's like I really people that and did need you read help. about that? Eights are all about justice for the underdog, and you've had underdog experience, right? Yeah. So that's a part of your story. That's a part of what created Sean Osborne as we know him today. So tell me more about that underdog piece, that justice. So what's piece. weird is I, I'm very much for the underdog. I'm very much for justice. It's like I would go to war to have justice for people, but not to give it to them, for people to take it, for people to go out and get it. So it's like mm -hmm. I would rather show someone, here's how you do it. I don't want to give you it because to me, that's just not – it's like – Someone who's poor, I would not want them to win the lottery. I wouldn't want to win, win, uh, win the lottery. It's like, because that's not 
that's not me. I would rather earn the money, not be given it. So I, I'm for the underdog, but I want to help them. Not to me, if I give them money or I, I give them the, I hinder them. I don't. Yeah, I don't you're not going to lean into the helper side, right? But of the two, because it's not your natural type anyway. It's not your home. <laughs> I use simple words. It's not your home base. Like right. that's not where you hang out. Yeah. Every day you get up in the morning, you're an eight, you're an eight, you're an eight. Like you don't change. People ask me that all the time. Do I change? Nope, you don't. You grow and you learn and you're much more aware. And then you start to connect the wisdom and the knowledge piece and you start to connect the loving self piece. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you become a grandparent. Like every experience that happens to us peels back another layer of the onion. Like, oh, wow. Like, the loving tender side or getting married or those things like that awakens in you yeah. a different, like, Oh, there's my two coming to life. Like, look at it go. Um, but for so long in those early years, it was just like, Nope, I got to power it up to survive. Right. So you, you lived out of that. The beautiful part then as we get older, right. Is to go, um, Yeah how do I develop these other two parts of self not losing who I am, but continuing to live in wholeness in my own story. I'm a three. Um, so effective, efficient, get it done, work hard, whatever I was identified by my work, you know, whatever I was doing. And I've had lots of jobs, which is interesting. So I was always seeking to find like, what's my work to do, but the loyalty and faithfulness piece um, of my six, my thinking side was broken early in my life. Trust was broken early for me uh, about the age of eight or nine in some pretty hard ways. And so I leaned into the work piece to go, you watch me. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to hurt me like that again. I'm not, you know, I used to say things like, eh, I have deep friendships, but only for about eight or nine years. And then I move on. Whoa, that didn't feel good. It's amazing. I've been married for 42 years, right? Like to the same person. Um, but what's interesting is that's some work that has been done in me in the last five or six years to go. How do I want to be loyal and faithful? Because what I stopped doing was even my own loyalty. How do I walk into a room with my team and ask them about their weekend, not go just going, okay, we got work to do. Let's go. Like, how do I lean in in my toward energy and really care about people and care about deep relationships? And I've learned that even through the coaching and the, the work that I've been doing the last 10 years. So this is the connecting of the dots. It's so fun. Your five that you talked about um, that you're connected to in wisdom. What could happen if you're in your adaptive space is you learn a bunch of stuff and you know all this information, but you're not willing to share it with the world. It's kind of like you hoard it in. <laughs> so a healthy five is going to say, no, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to share what I know. My daughter is a five on the Enneagram and I always have to ask her. She always knows the answer. She always has the information. She works for me on my team. And I have to say, so what do you know about this? Because I know you've already Googled it a thousand times and you've researched it and you've done all this stuff. So that's a part of who you are too. Where do you see that piece show up in your life, Sean, that, that wisdom and knowledge and gathering of information? I think that's probably been over the past five years, probably my biggest growth area, I think. Because before, I mean, it was like 
you're all for yourself. It's like, especially where I came from, it's like anything, knowledge to me was power. That's how I got ahead in life. It's That's like, so true of so many eights. Yeah. They connect to the five, but through a, where will it get me? How will it power me up? Yes. And I know you've been very successful, you know, in different career spaces, but it's like, I'm going to learn, but it's because it's going to get me somewhere. Yes. And it's like loose lips sink ships. It's like what I learn, you don't tell. You don't, you don't give people your, your, your information on, you don't give them your war plan. <laughs> you yes. give them your, oh, that's so classic <laughs> 852 harmony. So, but in the past five years, that has really t completely turned around and I, it, maybe it's because mm -hmm. of the age, but now it's like, I want to give this information to anybody I can, because I know how powerful the stuff that I've learned to go from where I was to what I've done, how powerful that information can be. So it's like, I, my whole goal is to get that information out and to share it with people. And I think that's also where I've grown in the eight. I think if I look at it, it's like before it was like, yeah, power, power, power. It's like, I want to, if I'm not in control of the room, someone's going to control me and I'm not going to let mm -hmm. that happen. Uh, to now it's like, when should I, push the power button. When, when should I use the throttle and when should I use yeah. the brake a little bit? And, and I think, so those are the two, I think biggest growths that I've had in the last five years. Oh, that's so, so good because for, for the people that are listening to this podcast, some of you are really going to resonate. So let me, let me back up and give you some language to this too. Um, so we've talked about Sean, Sean's type, his home base is an eight. My home base is a three. Um, He's connected 852. So head, heart, gut, 852. Um, eight is the body space. And I want to explore that a minute if we have time. Two is the emotional space. And five is the thinking space. For me and my harmony, it's 369. Three being the emotional space. So I come from more of the emotion space first. Six being the, the head space. And nine being the body space. The last harmony that we haven't talked about, because we don't have anybody on this call sitting in it, is the 741. So the seven is the joy of the seven, the goodness of the one, or perfectionism if they're on their worst day, and the uh, creativeness of the four, or the I need to be special if they're on their worst day, <laughs> right? And so that's the third harmony. And it... It's just so interesting to me how that flows, that head, heart, body. You naturally come from a body space. So anything that happens to you, um, you automatically, whatever the circumstance, you'll have something today and your body almost feels it, feels it viscerally. Like, you know, you either tense up or you turn your head or you're like, you know, your eyes get bigger, like your body reacts to it. And most eights, doesn't matter male or female, have to almost hold themselves back. Like, ooh, I could punch the wall or I could slam the door or I could get in my car and drive as fast as I could. Like, there's just something that needs to come out of you in an energy standpoint. Um, and so that's, that's the body, the body space of the eight. Now, interestingly enough, the nine who sits right on the other side of you, my husband is a nine. So he's the peaceful person. Um, he would shut down that body. 
He thinks his body doesn't exist. The man has broken almost every bone in his body because he's 65 years old and still thinks like he just doesn't have connection to his body, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's interesting in each of these, and we don't have time to explore all of that, but in all three of the body centers, all three of the heart centers, and all three of the thinking centers, they live out because the thinking gets caught in fear. The emotional side, the heart center gets caught uh, in shame and sorrow and those types of things. We all do it. We just do it differently. And the body space gets caught in anger. And, you know, that's kind of the core emotion. But my husband would take that anger and go, and you would take it and go out. (laughs) So it's so interesting to me. This is the depth of this tool. And it can be a little bit overwhelming, but man, it's so fun to explore because it answers so many questions about that real self piece. Now, for those that, and again, it, it does, it goes deep, deep, deep on, on things, you know, what for the, for the listeners that are on, on here with us now, what are like the biggest, like lowest hanging of fruit that someone could have by like taking an Enneagram? Like what's uh, the quick win? That's a great question. So, and I might even put it back to you because I always think the quick win is going, I'm not crazy. Like I now know why you like this, this nailed me. Like I now understand who I am a little bit better and why I do this and why I did some things back in my twenties or my thirties. And then it opens up the store of what does this make possible for me to know? And so I'm always a practical application person. That's part of the three. The eights love that too. Like rubber meets the road. Let's go. Um, So I think some of the practical application is going, you know, I love like a daily examine or a a practice of gratitude or some of those types of things of going, wow, I was, I was living in my best place today. That felt good. Look at the choices I made that were very much in the healthy side of whatever type I am or in the healthy side of my harmony or the question to ask of, man, I had knowledge and information today that I could have shared and I chose not to. Why? Right. Or I was loving today and it was great. Or man, I kind of went over go and tried to control them and codependent all over them and be way too much of a helper and said yes to four things I shouldn't have said yes to because it made me feel good. That's the examine piece. (laughs) That's where, to me, some of the spiritual side comes in of going, how am I going to examine my life? I teach it in my work that I do weekly. (laughs) Like, how am I going to do a weekly review and just go, where were my highs and my lows? And, you know, what did I know about myself and why? And how would I want to do that differently? I think that's the low hanging fruit of any of these assessments that we use, but especially the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like one, it's like, yes, I'm crazy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I think for me, it's, I, I, I want to go down deeper into the resourceful. I know you don't like the words, but as the, on the, on the test, the resourceful yeah. and the unresourceful and have them as almost like red flags. I know that if I'm doing this, there's another mm-hmm. way that, that I could actually do it this way to be a more resourceful or more positive or a better energy person uh, to do that. And I think that's, that's one of the things that well, I'm going to do. 
And I sent you a copy of kind of our results packet and there's a page in there uh, when somebody takes a, a assessment with us and we send them back their results that has two lists of words, authentic and adaptive. And many times when I'm working with someone in a coaching situation, I'll have them do this page and I'll just say, circle the words that resonate with you on the authentic side of your eight. Things like strong and protective and decisive. And then circle the adaptive places like uh, I can insert myself. I'm prone to excess. I can be intimidating or aggressive. And just identifying language, I also think something that we miss in our education system or wherever we're missing it is people don't know how to say <laughs> in language, like I was pretty intimidating today. Yeah. <laughs> like, so once I can give them language, that's also a big win for people. Um, and then to do the same thing with like the center of intelligence of the two that you're connected to that once you could see language of Two means that I'm generous and I'm nurturing and I have strong care and I'm supportive. You can go identify the, how that's happening in your day, right? <laughs> or in your week. Right. But until you hear those words describe that, you're like kind of floundering. So I think language is a huge thing for us as a society. Yeah. Uh, just to have words to describe things we don't know how to say. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, for those that are, you know, on here today and listening to this, if this resonates with you, it is something that is, to me, it's, again, if we're not learning, we're dying. And, and so learning we're about on our, the table. That's <laughs> we're either at the <laughs> table eating or we're on the menu. There's no, there's no in between. Uh, you know, I, I really recommend that you get a hold of Teresa. And, and in the show notes, we're going to have all the links to Teresa's stuff, but you've got a download, you know, for your real life Enneagram typing uh, guide, which is free for anybody mm -hmm. to go up there. We have and a get. free resource yeah. that you can just read about. Absolutely free resource. It, and then you yeah. also do the Enneagram, the profile package. You know, you do the actual test with people and I'm sure you work with the, yep. you know, the, do the results and you yep. show them how crazy they are like me. Uh, but, <laughs> but and, yeah, we do a, a assessment and we just send you back the results. But then, you know, if you want to hop on a call with one myself or one of our coaches, uh, you know, we have a way that you can do that just to kind of walk through for an hour, talk about it all. There's no way even in an hour <laughs> that you're going to explore no. it all. So I always tell people, you know, this is one of those things. There are books, there are things, and we recommend some of those in our free typing guide and in our packets of other resources. This is not a secret tool that you have to do the assessment to learn it all. Oh my gosh. If you want to get into it, there's all kinds of resources out there about the Enneagram. Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. So if you're listening on the road, everything's going to be in the show notes, but if you go to uh, the real life process.com, uh, that's your website. All the stuff is there as well. So if you just yep. remember the real life process.com, but again, it's in the show notes with direct links, Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, this has been, this has been awesome. <laughs> this has been amazing. It has been. I told you we'd go down the deep trails, right? But uh, thank you for even being brave enough. I think sometimes there's a bravery piece. Doesn't surprise me with your type eight to go, I want to know more about something that I don't know about. And and I'm willing to uh, go on my own podcast and talk about it and kind of be truly authentic with your audience. So I'm thanks for book. doing that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> me too. It's so much easier. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap for today's episode. And again, a huge thank you for Teresa McCloy for joining us and sharing her insight into the Enneagram and really the real life process as well. 
Just remember, understanding ourselves is the first step towards living a fulfilling life. So I encourage you to explore the Enneagram or another one if you want, but the Enneagram and consider how it can help you live a life that truly reflects who you are. And as always, all the resources mentioned in this episode, including the Enneagram test and the real life process will be found in the show notes. So just follow those up. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast for more thought provoking conversations. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. You know, your feedback helps us improve and reach more thinking big people like yourself. So again, this is Sean Osborne signing off for this week. Stay curious, stay inspired, and keep thinking big.